0: Five. Second kings chapter five albert made me laugh a little bit there uh you know because he said william rudder his his formal name or whatever you want i bet you in the was it the navy albert or air force air force i bet in the air force it wasn't whatever you want to call me was it it was uh it was rudder get over here amen amen appreciate you all and thank god for you Let's pray. Lord, help us now, Let's speak to our hearts. You brought us here for a reason and a purpose, and that is to be reminded of how much you love us, that you're holy. Uh, our, our, our nation will celebrate. Uh, uh, Lord, we all recognize this summer's gotta be better than last, and we thank you for that. We thank you for where we're at. We thank you for things getting better, but we also ask that you would just change our nation spiritually. Uh, Lord help the gospel and Christianity Not be something that we see in a rear view mirror Just in America's history Help it to be part of the fabric now, today Help people recognize that what we're looking for is you So have your way now, in Jesus' name, amen the title of the message is Memorial Markers um, My mom and dad are from East Tennessee And we grew up with Memorial Day also being something called Decoration Day, Decorating Day. Where they would go and and decorate the graves of loved ones in different places. Even this uh, week, my dad called his first cousin in Clinton, Tennessee and asked her, he ordered flowers and asked her if she would go to Coalfield, Tennessee and decorate the grave of his mom and dad, my granny and Papaw Jackson. No doubt you've walked through a cemetery before and you've read some interesting things on the markers themselves. We call that an epitaph. It is a short text on a deceased person's life. For instance, grace, dignity, and elegance personified. Joe DiMaggio's grave. I'm ready to meet my Maker. Whether my Maker is prepared for the great ordeal of meeting me is another matter. Winston Churchill may have thought that was funny, but I can assure you, there is a holy God ready to meet his creation. I will not be back after this message. Does anyone remember Merv Griffin? If you do, raise your hand. You are all old people. Okay? James Herbert said death is but a key an English farmer wrote we plow the fields and scatter the good seed on the land one man named Mr. Pease said this ain't the peas this is just the pod Pease shelled out he's now with God Oh, they can be personal and clever and moving and insightful but to tell you the truth all of us will have something, whether it's inscribed or not, on our marker if we die before the Lord Jesus comes. And here it is. What did he or she do with Jesus Christ? That's the question it all comes down to. What do you do with Jesus in your life? Now, in second kings chapter 5 i'd like to say that i'm making my way out of of kings but i can't right now because we've gone from elijah passing the mantle to elisha and today we continue to see how god uses people for his glory second kings chapter 5 verse 1 now naaman commander of the army of the king of syria was a great and honorable. Circle those words, great and honorable. He was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. Now, Naaman's introduction is pretty clear and it's pretty authoritative and it has something behind it. He's commander for the king of Syria, the northern border of Israel. The Bible describes him as great and honorable, meaning that he has a high degree. He's a champion. He's respected. He's a good steward of what he's been given, Naaman. The world saw it. His peers respected it, and even his master knew it. He was a mighty man of valor. Valor means there was force, there was intensity, there were riches, there was strength. I mean, everything pointed to Naaman seemed to point good in his life. It was almost as if he had a storybook life. To tell you the truth, if if, if we had his high school yearbook, does anybody still have a yearbook? Anybody ever have those things? Oh, I can remember I bet you I could pull mine out right now. And that little note Renee wrote me back in school. Oh, Greg, your slim build, your mustache, those rippling muscles. One day I hope that God gives me you. L O, L O, L O. I'm kidding. Renee would have written something like this. It's meant to be one day. And it, we dated five years. We dated five years. And I remember that night she kissed me at the Casano Pizza Hut. I went home and said, Dad, she's the one. And never looked back. Amen. She, hey, is she not a good pastor's wife? Amen. Amen. Hey, amen. And I and listen, I say that because I don't very much, and I know some ministries and churches and pastors who have been destroyed by how their wife acts. Thank God, Amen. Thank God. Well, well. Anyway, I'm not even sure where. If the yearbook, the yearbook of Naaman's life. Listen, he would have won everything. He would have been the most handsome, the most popular, the most athletic, the most likely to succeed. He would have won it all. And based on what I read in a limited verse about Naaman's life, none of it would have happened had it not been for God. What do you mean? Look back at it, okay? The commander of the army, the king of the army of Syria was great and honorable. He was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master and because by him the Lord had given victory. Anything good in Naaman's life was simply because of the, of the goodness of God and I believe if we were to walk through the cemetery and stumble upon Naaman's marker we might see an epitaph something like this number one in your outline all because of God all because of Jesus all because of Jesus all that I am and all that I have is because of the goodness of God. Now, if that's where we were to stop, we all know the the story of Naaman the leper. I mean, we we preach it, we teach it in Sunday school. We all know the, sto- the story, do we not? He he's asked to go dip seven times, and and he's not sure about God's plan and that instruction, and and we recognize that it's the only way. And Naaman the leper went down, and he comes up healed. We know that, but I believe. The real story that adds to this text is the fact that everything that happens in life is all because of Jesus. God's got a plan for us, folks. It's not just to live into our 90s or well into as long a life as we can and then somehow a few of our family members gather around a graveside and that's it. No, God's got a plan. And his plan is for you, you and I to recognize his hand in your Life. You'll say, Well, Brother Greg, was not Syria an opponent of Israel, an enemy? Folks, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And any good thing that happens, even in a lost person's life, is because of God's grace. So we see that Naaman has been blessed by God. His marker could say, As ours should all because of Jesus but if you if you read that first verse with me I didn't read the whole verse let me read it again now Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria he was also a mighty man of valor comma but a leper a leper those words are game-changing words for Naaman this flesh withering disease of the day came at a great cost for Naaman now some uh, commentators have said uh, that the leprosy of the day the Hansen's disease may not be exactly what we're thinking because somehow Naaman was able to function in his leadership role at this point oh it was serious without a cure it affected his life even to the point of desperation and let me tell you this morning that when you get desperate enough you're going to look for help if you don't believe that I don't know if I don't know who's worse men or women when it comes to actually feeling bad enough to go to the doctor oh quit don't look at your spouse or, or actually hurting bad enough to finally say, I can't de- cope with this anymore. Anybody want to say amen? When you are desperate enough, listen, and someone says ER, you don't care. You, get, you finally say, it's the, only, it's the only hope right now. Let's go. Let's go. A leper. But a leper. Those are words that are life-changing But I want you to understand something before we look at Naaman's life. It's an important thought. Number two, we all have a disease that's much worse than leprosy, and it's called sin. The Bible says we all have it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wage of sin is death. The reason we have to go to the cemetery is because of sin. We not only die physically, we die spiritually. But that's not the end of that verse. But the gift of God is eternal life, in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? How many of you believe that? If you really believe in eternal life, you're saying that when I die, I believe God will be there waiting. You see a person who doesn't believe in God saying something like this, when I die, I hope God's not there. When I die, I sure hope God's not there. Failure to be healed of sin Results not only in physical death But in spiritual death Which means you're forever separated from God In a real place called hell Now in the story of the rich man and Lazarus The rich man in hell could see Lazarus In Abraham's bosom He could see it That might be an indicator that in hell We see what we miss But we'll never be able to have it And folks, listen to me I believe hell is worse than you and I can ever imagine and I also believe that everyone in hell realizes that there's a God Well, what do you mean brother Greg the Bible says every knee shall bow every tongue confess now listen carefully write this down do you have a pen or pencil hey we're getting close to putting pins back in those spots We're getting close to putting those hymnals back in them pews. Amen. Are you ready to write? As the one preacher said, do you have your pen? Lipstick, mascara, whatever you have, go ahead and use it. Okay, here it is. You ready? There will be and there are no atheists in hell. What do you mean by that? I thought an atheist is somebody who doesn't believe in God. Oh, they, they do. But I can assure you in hell they believe there's a God. I can assure you in hell, you recognize what you have missed, folks. And if hell is worse than we can imagine, I believe heaven will be better than we can imagine. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And as a Christian this morning, aren't you glad heaven is real? Aren't you glad that you can stand at the graveside of a loved one that you knew was a believer in Jesus Christ and know that the Bible says that we'll uh, there will be a reunion one day because of the promises of God? Emily Dickinson, in a little short writing called Heaven, listen to this. It's entitled Heaven is What I Cannot Reach. Heaven. Heaven is what I cannot reach. It's the apple on the tree, provided it do hopeless hang, that heaven is to me. The color on the cruising cloud, the interdicted land behind the hill, the house that's behind, their paradise is found. And I read that and I thought, hold it, Emily Dickinson. Heaven is not some place you have to figure out how to find. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people that Jesus is waiting for his children to come and live in forever and to be with him forever. The poem is like it's always out of reach. It is when we try to get there our own way. We'll always come up short, but by the cross of Calvary and the goodness of God, we have hope. Amen? He built a bridge so that we could get there. So this morning, understand something. There's a real heaven, there's a real hell, and heaven is reachable. But you have to come by way of the cross. You have to come God's way. Now, that was a little bit of Naaman's problem. He wasn't sure he wanted to surrender to God's way. All right, we'll see that in this story. Verse 2 And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back a captive, a young girl from the land of Israel, she waited on Naaman's wife. So I'm introducing you to a servant girl from Israel whose job is to take care of Naaman's wife. She's in the inner circle. She's in, the, in that household. And she said to Naaman's wife, her, mit- her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria... Do you remember who this might be? Elisha. For he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus says the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. You talk about getting ready for vacation. Oh, we'll clarify that in a few minutes. Okay? This servant girl, she doesn't have a name in Scripture. Do you know the Bible uses a lot of people like that? No name ever given to them, but God uses them for his glory now here's what I see in the life of this servant girl she doesn't let her circumstances steal her joy she doesn't let the circumstances crush her faith and I'm telling you you might be here this morning and you're going through something in your life in your world and it's just absolutely overwhelmed you boy here is a model of somebody who doesn't get headlines in Scripture. She's not even named, and the Bible says her faith is not crushed due to the fact that she's a servant. She still knows who the healer is and says, if my master, referring to Naaman, if he would only meet the prophet in Samaria, he could be healed. could be healed. You see, some of us get delusions sometimes because we think we deserve things. Life has become more about you or more about me, and we've left our first love of serving people. Now, for our guest, uh, we kind of have a logo, love God, love people, serve people. Loving God first above everything will help me love people the way I should love people. When I love people, I want to serve them. And the best way to serve people you love is to share with them the hope that's in Christ. She had no power like the mighty man of valor, Naaman. But she did have the answer. And God was going to use his quiet servant for his glory... To be reminded, he would remind her that nothing can separate you from the love of God and that you're more than a conqueror. And she knew, she knew where to go and she knew who had the answer. And Naaman hears the information. If you look at it, the Bible says in verse 4, And Naaman went in and told his master. Who would he tell? The king. Most believe this is Benadad. Benadad I or second. Thus and thus says the girl is from the land of Israel. And the king said, Go and I will prepare a letter for you. I not only prepare a letter for you, I'll send some things along the way. You ready? The Bible says 10 talents of silver and 6,000 shekels of gold. That's about 750 pounds of silver and 150 pounds of gold. Naaman hears about it, he's willing to do something about it. You see, when you're desperate enough, you'll do anything to be healed. And until a person recognizes their ultimate need to be saved and forgiven, sometimes we run away from God. But I'm telling you, when your back's against the wall and the doctor says you're not gonna get any better, And we recognize that not everybody lives to be 150 years old. We realize, for many of us sitting here today, that we're on the back nine. We've made the turn. Life's most important question, what will I do with Jesus? Well, Nathan does something. He does something, Naaman does something, and he goes forward and he presents the letter and listen to how the king of Israel responds Jehoram and it happened in verse 7 when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said am I a God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of leprosy therefore please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me the king of Israel he's not sure if this is a military challenge Or what? He says, I'm not God. I can't do this. But God knew that. He was aware of it. Because verse 7 says, So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Don't you be confused by a 30-minute program on Christian television that shows a bunch of healing going on. Folks, if that were the case, should we not be running the hospital hallways? Listen to me. Elisha said so that he may know that there is a prophet. And in Bible days, you were either all 100% accurate or not. You didn't walk around touting to be something that you couldn't be, and you're not. God had a plan. Elisha knows what's going on. He hears that the king recognizes that there's nothing he can do, but Elisha is representing somebody who can change everything. Verse 9. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot. Horses and chariot? Yeah, Remember? Something had to transport all of that wealth. Elisha, Naaman went with his horses and chariot and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. So get the picture. Elisha, there's somebody outside. I I know there is. They've come to see you. I know they have. And the Bible says Elisha, verse 10, sends a messenger to him saying, Here it is. Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Folks, the response from Naaman. Is crystal clear. Verse 11. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He'll surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the rivers of the Abana and the Parpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all of the waters of Israel, these muddy waters of the Jordan? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and went away in rage, the Bible says. He doesn't like God's plan. First thing you see is, uh, it's obvious that he was expecting a personal encounter with Elisha. Well, you don't know who I am. You don't know who I am. Uh, The instructions were not ego-inflating. You see, it wasn't what he imagined. It's not what he would have envisioned for a man in his position He wanted to be healed his way And the Bible says he becomes furious The, the, the literal translation there Means he becomes enraged And it's heated wrath He hates what he's heard There are other places There are other ways There are better ways to do things See Naaman thought he was somebody And that's what we have to get over this morning I mean, I'm just a nobody telling everybody about somebody who can heal anybody. We have to come to the point and not let pride kill us. And number four, pride goes before destruction. That's what the Bible says. May your marker read humility, humble. And look what happens. Look what happens in verse 13. And his servants came near. Guess what? God's getting ready to use some more no-names, just like the little servant girl that told his wife where he could find healing. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says, to you wash and be clean? It's almost like they're simply speaking truth to him. Everybody look at me. Calm down. Take a breath. Have you ever noticed a good ball player and they step to the foul line? A good, a good baseball player? Good picture. You know what they're doing? They're trying to be calm and Relax. His servants are saying, Master, if he had asked you to do something great that everybody would have known about, would you not have done it? Yeah. Well, you're still going to be healed. Why not do what they say? God uses people with no names. He uses towns with no names. Amen. I told you I was mowing once. A guy pulled up. Where's downtown, Camden? Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. You just came through. Okay? Okay. Hey, God uses families with no names. He uses servants in a local church every single Sunday whose names aren't called out. Only by His grace. Naaman was humbled by someone that perhaps was overlooked by society or the world's standards, and they spoke truth into his heart, and he acts. Verse 14. So he went down and he dipped seven times into Jordan. Seven times into Jordan. Think about this. One, two, okay, three, four. I have a feeling maybe at four, he goes, are you kidding me? Five, six, what a waste of time. Seven, and when you come up the seventh time, the Bible tells us that his skin is restored and his flesh is that of a baby, a child. you ever felt the skin of a baby? Soft, unblemished. no, no battle scars from life no crow's feet baby you see God doesn't not only heal and put things back together he makes them brand-new when you give your life to Jesus Christ he not only forgives you of your past he gives you a new start that's the good news of the gospel and what is Naaman's response verse 15 And he returned to the man of God, this would be Elisha here. He and all of his aides, and he came and stood before him and said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. That's all he knew. Right? You get what you pay for, you earn it. And he wants to show his appreciation for being healed. But folks, you can never pay for your salvation. It's contrary to the gospel. You can only be healed by the grace of God. And I believe that there's more to the story in Naaman the leper than just Naaman being healed of his leprosy and I think we find it in the end of this passage. Verse 16. But he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but Elisha refused. I believe the picture of this story of Naaman the leper is not only his cleansing, but I also believe it's in the fact that we recognize that it's God who does it all. What are you saying, Brother Greg? Number five, and we're done. We're all going to have Elisha moments where we try to take credit for what only God can do. Or we can give all the glory and point people to him. And that's exactly what Elisha did. Elisha's saying, this isn't pay to play. This is the grace of God this is what I do I have the privilege to glorify God he's the one who does the saving and in essence Elisha is writing on his marker these simple words all because of Jesus all because of Jesus folks I really believe that we're living in a day where people are looking they're asking the right questions now because we realize that, that the world's out of our control but if God tarries and you and I die physically what we do with Jesus now will determine everything eternally that's the hope that we have beyond the day that's the hope we have beyond the grave And it is because of him. Elisha was going to make that clear. God used me. I praise him that he let me be part of it. But it's all because of Jesus. I want you to stand, every head bowed, every eye closed.